Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. So, Father, I just I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, just for your presence in this place. I thank you for what you're doing. And, God, I pray that our hearts would just be open to hear and receive what you're saying. I pray, Father, that these scriptures and these words, God, that they would flow from you and that they would be glorifying to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want to talk about peace. Peace. And so we're going to read a ton of scripture related to peace. And we, we already did some things related to peace this morning in worship. You might not have known it, but the Spirit of God was, is hovering over us as we're worshiping. And there's peace that people were experiencing in the room. So hopefully you caught a hold of that. And if you didn't, I'm hopeful by, by the end of the service today, you're going to experience peace. So we're going to teach about and talk about it and read about it. But to experience it is a bit different than teaching, talking, and reading. And, but, it, but it is the norm in the Christian lifestyle. It's the norm to experience the things that we're reading, teaching, and talking, and preaching about. And so we should expect it. And when the Spirit of God's involved, He is the deliverer of peace. And I'm going to get into that today. But if you're engaging with the Spirit of God, you're just going to get peace. You know, it's like engaging with the mailman. You're going to get mail. The, the, the Holy Spirit is there to deliver peace. And, and so He's delivering it this morning already before I even say a word. Praise God. Um, so living in the time that we're in, I, I really feel we're in a... It doesn't take a prophet to figure out these are some chaotic times right now. And we've been preaching for a long time since, you know, the situation we're in now with pandemic and everything about the harvest, the coming harvest. And when that term, just for those of you that are new, is, is really defining many, 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 many people coming into the kingdom of God. It's why we're going out in the street. It's why we're, we're just sharing Jesus with our neighbor because we're expecting that when we share the gospel, that when we share about Jesus— their heart, even though it might be hard and cold and not open, begins to open, and, and that they're receptive. And the, the harvest are people coming into the kingdom of God. So when I use that term, that's what I'm talking about. And more and more, I'm becoming convinced that the harvest and, and the chaos are intertwined, that they come together, they're packaged together. And I used to have a theology that was a bit different, but given my experience, given the more I'm reading the word, the more I'm seeing these two things intertwined. And so what I'm hoping today, that as we talk about peace, the peace of Christ, and we talk about the season that we're in, that you would be equipped to, to ascertain, to, to grab a hold of the peace of Christ, which is in you. And you'd also be equipped to deliver that peace to anybody you see, knowing that that's what they're looking for. And when they sense the peace on your life, it's going to open a door to minister the gospel, to reach their heart. And so I believe peace is so important for us to walk in as a company, as Christians, but it's also an important evangelistic tool that when we carry it, in a chaotic season, everybody recognizes we have something they do not. Maybe before they didn't, they thought they had everything. But in this season, peace will reign. Like they will see peace and it will, it will stand out in a way that's particularly impactful. So none of that's in my notes, by the way. So we'll see where this goes today. Um, but so I always talk about my kids. So I'm going to start off talking about my kids. So so my kids, uh, they go to a school and in the school they have a poetry competition coming up. 
And if you know me, I love to brag about them. And last year, my daughter was in this competition, and she won it. She won the competition. She beat all the older kids. Take that, kids. And we're pretty competitive in my family. Um, and my daughter's six, and she doesn't know how competitive we are. She just thinks we're, you know, practicing and training. But really, we want to beat those other kids. And um, so we're already preparing this year, you know, to try to win again. And um, so we're, we're preparing our, our poetry, you know, presentation with her. And she's working on all the components. And I'm like, man, she's really good. <laughs> like, she's just so poised. And she gets up and delivers her, mess her words. And I'm like, she is really good. And the Lord began to speak to me about that. Why do you think she's so good? I was like, well, she's got my wife. My wife is like really good trainer. So that could be it. Maybe it's because of her training. Maybe that's why she's so good. So confident, you know, so poised. The Lord's like, no, it's not the training. I was like, okay. Well, maybe, maybe it's the talent because she's got good genes. Maybe it's her talent. That's what is setting her apart, right? She gets on the stage, and she's just a natural. And Lord's like, no, that's, that's not it either. So, hmm. And the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, why she's so good up there is the connection that she has with her mom and dad. That's why she's so good. And that made me feel good. I was like, yeah, that's good. You know, we don't always get it perfect, but that felt good. But that is the reason she can stand up there without fear, without, you know, worry about her performance and deliver what she has to say, what she has to do fearlessly to all those people in front of her at six. It's because of her connection with her parents and her family, because she knows no matter how it goes, no matter what she says, no matter, how, you know, if she wins or whatever, we're, we're going to rejoice over her. We're gonna, we are going to celebrate her. And, and there's a sense of peace and security in, that, in our home. And so that, that really is, to me, the, the thing that is helping her to be set apart. Um, and hopefully to win that poetry competition, because I want to win. Um, but how much more so... Can we begin to think that way, right, when we have successes? And, and how much more so can we take for granted this connection that we have with our Heavenly Father that produces a peace that others don't have? And when we, when we gain things in the city, when we gain influence or we, we gain jobs, and we think, oh, man, we are so good. Like, look at our talent. It, look at our training. Look at our – and he's like, no, it's me. It's my connection with you that is positioning you, that's 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 providing these blessings, and we just think, oh, we're just killing it. We're just doing great. And, and the peace of God gives you an unfair advantage over everybody in the city. But the peace of God is not meant for you to take advantage of it. It's meant to give him glory. That's why he distributes it for our good and our enjoyment, and we should enjoy it. But it's also distributed so that we can draw all men and women unto him. So I, I told my wife, um, I said, hey, hey, Vanessa, you know, I'm, um, I'm preaching this week on peace. And she said, you're preaching on peace? Really? <laughs> I said, you don't think I'm qualified? She said, I'm, that's just funny. That's funny. Um, so I, it's been a little chaotic for me the past few weeks. I've had some 
some losses, you know, some serious losses, but also just, just life is kind of crazy right now in a lot of ways. And, um, but I said, you know what, babe, we need to preach out of the thing that we need. Like, we need to preach. We're not disqualified because we have some chaos and some struggles in our life to preach and teach. Like, like you're not disqualified to go out and share the gospel with people on the street this afternoon just because you had a bad morning. You're not. Like, or just because you didn't feel like the spirit when you came to church today. That doesn't matter. Like, you can still do the things God's called you to do, and you should. Um, so I said, I'm not disqualified, babe. Um, but I know that I need the message I'm preaching. I know I need more of God's peace. But the cool thing was, even for me, even in the midst of kind of this chaotic season, last few, last three weeks, I guess, four weeks, um, even in the sense of that, there's been these moments, and I bet you can relate to me if you're a believer in this room. There's been these moments where I feel this, this depth of peace, this delight in God, this, like, in the depths of who I am. That is shocking, is surprising, is disconnected from my circumstances, and there's a sense that, is this my peace? Like, where is this coming from? This feels so disassociated from my reality right now. Have you ever felt that? I think you're going to feel more of that in this season. I, I really believe that that peace, God, his peace is, is it's called to rule and reign in our lives, in our hearts. And so I want to talk about how to cultivate that, but I think it starts with knowing where that peace is coming from and saying, the reason this peace feels disconnected from circumstance and from me is because it's not even mine. That's why it feels so disconnected. That's why it's so surprising, and that's why it's so delightful. See, the depth of peace I'm talking about the world cannot offer. Circumstances cannot produce. And the depth of peace I'm talking about is available to each and every one of us today, right here in this room. Nothing has to change today, and that peace is accessible to you and me. Nothing has to change. Your job doesn't have to change. Your financial status doesn't have to change. Your relationship status doesn't have to change. Your location doesn't have to change. Nothing has to change today, but you can access this peace today in this room before you leave the door. That's an astounding reality. See, God has a monopoly on peace. The world has no peace. and God has it all. And Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace, is the access point of all peace. So I want to talk about how Jesus himself is peace. It's a source of peace and brings peace. Okay? So I have a few. What I just quoted there, the Prince of Peace, that's Isaiah 9-6. And in that verse, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's a prophetic word. Jesus fulfilled it to the T, and he fulfilled the Prince of Peace. He's the access point. He's the source of peace of all the world. Of all the world. 1 Timothy 2, 4-5 through says, God wants all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth, For there is one God, and there is what? One mediator. 
one between God and mankind. And that one is the man, Christ Jesus. That's what we're preaching on the streets today. There's one mediator. There's one man who made peace between us and God. And he's a man, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only source of peace you will find on this planet and outside of this planet. It's just him. You may think you have peace, but you don't have peace if you don't have Jesus. You have positivity. You might have a lot of nice things in your world, but all those things are going to come crashing down, and Jesus will not. He will, he will sustain you. So Jesus brings peace in three different ways, and I'm only going to talk about one of these ways today. Maybe I'll keep this going. I'll see where it, go, where it goes. But here's the three ways that I can find. I'm sure there's more, um, and how Jesus brings peace. Number one, he brings peace between God and man. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, how Jesus brings peace between us and him on a personal level. Number two, he brings peace between people, people groups, between you and I. He brings peace. He's a source of peace in between people. Number three, he brings peace to the entire world. To the, it says to the heavens and the earth. He reconciles the entire world back to himself. Everything. The entire world means everything. And he says heaven and earth. So that we think heaven is so great, but there's things in heaven that God needs to reckon. I mean, I don't understand it, but it says he's reconciling all things in heaven and on earth back to God. He's making a new heaven and a new earth. These are crazy mysteries, you guys, which I feel like we don't even touch that much in the church at large, but that's where things are going, and that's our source of hope and peace. And, and not only what he's done now, but what he is doing and what he will do, establishing a new heaven and a new earth and reconciling all things to himself. So if you want to dig more into, into this stuff, um, I encourage you to read through Colossians, read through Ephesians. These themes are found throughout scriptures, but they're found, there's a depth in those books specifically. I'm going to read Colossians 1, verse 19 through 23, just to kind of unpack this topic. I want to talk about how God brings peace between God and man. So that's where I'm going. Colossians 1, verse 19 through 23. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. See, I told you it was in here. By making peace through his, what? Blood. Shed on the cross. That the cross is the access point of peace in the world. There's no peace in the world without the blood of Jesus. So Jesus is the source of peace, but the reason he can even be the source of peace is his blood shed on the cross, is his death and resurrection. That makes him the source of peace to, to I'll get into it. We'll go to the next one. Verse 21. <laughs> Once, important point here, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That's a really important verse. We just skip over that sometimes. I know I do. Once you were alienated from God, enemies. Because if you don't know that, you don't know why you need the peace of Jesus. You don't know why you need his blood. You just think, well, I can just go through life and do what I need to do and be a good person. But the, and, and the reality is you're an enemy with God. Without a mediator, without, without, without some sort of intervention, you, you're an enemy with God. Because of the sin on your life, because of the, because of the very nature, the corrupted nature of who you are, your sinful nature, makes you an enemy with God. I mean, that's intense, but that's the reality of what the scriptures say. Verse 22, 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, we love that verse. We just got to remember the first one. But that one, I mean, that, that's the, if you, if you believe this verse, if you believe this verse, you're going to walk around with supernatural peace. I mean, I'm just going to read it again. Like, I mean, if we believe this verse, it will radically shift every part of our minds. Like your brain is going to be renewed in such a crazy way if you just believe the verse I just read. So I'm going to read it over myself. <laughs> but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How many of you got accused this week? How many of you accused yourself this week? Jesus says, no, if you're under, if you're following me, if you have faith in me, if you put your trust in me, you are free from all accusation. You are free from all shame. You are free from all attack. You are covered, the peace of Christ. You've been made at peace between, with you and God because of my blood. That is a crazy reality. And that's, that's a strategic advantage over every other person in the world who doesn't know that and who's operating in who knows what levels of chaos. But with this reality, we're anchored in peace. Verse 23, if you continue in faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. That's an important verse too. Notice it didn't say if you do all good works and you do everything right. No, it says what? If you continue in faith, belief, faith. It's in a different contingency than sometimes our default mind wants to think. This is the gospel that you have heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of, I, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. It's good stuff. This peace that we have by the blood of the Lamb is so transformative. It'll, it'll transform your mind in a completely different way. You know, I can remember personally, it was weird or funnier. I don't know what it was, but today during worship, I just, the Lord kept taking me back to like, do you remember, Colt, when you had no peace? And I was like, yeah, I remember that. It was pretty bad. I remember it. I remember the chaos in my mind. I remember the suicidal thoughts. I remember all that, you know? I remember it, Lord. He was like, good. Because then you'll know what you have now. You'll know what you breathe. His peace for some of us is the air we breathe every day. And we forget. That's okay, but he'll take us back. And he'll remind us of the peace we walk in. And honestly, you all, I've been, I've been through some testing times. Like, I haven't had that hard of a life, to be honest. But when there are times of testing, right, you kind of, you see where you have issues. But even if you were to cut me open and just, you know, say, what's at the core of, of me? The peace of Jesus is there. I can, I can tell you honestly, at the depth of my soul, there is a peace of Christ. Even though sometimes I'll get chaotic and things will spin out and my wife will be like, you can't preach on peace. Even in that, in the depth of me, 
there is that peace, and it's not mine. It was given to me because I didn't have it. Fifteen years ago, I didn't have it. It wasn't there. So I want to, we're going to jump in the book of John, talk about how this peace got in me and got in any of you who've received Jesus, because it's in you. Um, uh, John, and Bill's talked about this some, John 13 through 17, uh, it's referred to as the upper room discourse, and basically, these are, I mean, it's a really important part of scripture. Jesus is primarily speaking to his disciples um, before his death and resurrection, and you know, a lot of the context of these chapters is Jesus is going away, and he's trying to prepare, strengthen, encourage, comfort, and bring peace to his disciples because he's leaving. He's, he's leaving the earth, and they're kind of freaking out. You know, <laughs> their peace is wavering, and it would be if you and I were there too. I mean, can you imagine, like, you're walking with Jesus on the earth. He's teaching you everything. You've given your whole life. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, but things are going to be all right. You're like, wait, what? What do you mean things are going to be all right? Like, I thought you were the Messiah, and this is why we're doing everything we're doing. And so you can imagine a bit kind of their, their heart situation, um, the turmoil of that. But, um, but the context, and you'll see it in John uh, 16, 33. He says, I said this so that you would have peace. And in this earth, you'll have trials and tribulations, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so a lot of what is being said here is to reinforce that Jesus, he wants to impart peace and encourage them that they're going to be okay. Because as I was saying with my daughter, Fern, there's a, there's a part of peace that, that is related to connection, like Fern could, could do what she was doing because she felt connected to her parents and she knew that she was, she was at peace because she knew her identity and everything that she was wasn't on, it, she was, it wasn't on the table, right? She could go and do the things she needed to do because who she was was secure because she has connection with her parents. And that's how Jesus was able to do the things he did. He was in connection with his father and he's trying to show the disciples, hey, I'm gonna go, but don't worry, you're still gonna be connected to me. Like things are gonna be okay. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's going to be all right. And I'm going to send, I'm going to send someone. And, that, and that's where I'm going. So let's um, just uh, open up uh, this sort of section of scripture. John 14, I'm going to read verse 1 through 4. Um, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I just gave you some of the context for why he would say that to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not t told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. So that's helpful, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go, but I'm going for your benefit to prepare a place for you. Okay, that feels, that feels good. And if I, go and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Well, that's even better that you may also be where I am. You know the way, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And once he drops that line, then Thomas is like, what? We don't know. Like, where are you going? We don't understand. Why are you speaking like this? And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and reinforces the way that he's talking about. But my point is, he's establishing a level of peace 
in their hearts by telling them what's going to happen and in part by telling them they're going to be with him always. We have to just grab a hold of that reality. I believe in the present season, in any season, in any situation, that we are with Jesus right now by the, by the Spirit, and we are set in heavenly places, and we are going to a place that he is preparing for us, that we will be with him in eternity. That reality cannot be understated. There is a peace. There is a joy. There is a, is a, there's a delight in that reality that I believe will, will guard our hearts and minds and, and give us a measure of peace that we need in the season that we're in. And so, so anyway, I encourage you. I'm not going to get into all that. That's kind of a different part, but I just love that that's what Jesus is. That's how he comforts. That's how he brings peace. He reminds them what he's doing and why he's doing it so that they will be with him for all time. He's preparing a place for them. If you keep reading uh, John 14, verse 25 through 27. He says, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. He's encouraging them. He's comforting them. He's giving them peace. And if you look at the Holy Spirit, the advocate, right, is what he, the name that's used for the Holy Spirit. He says, I will send him in my name. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of the things that I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. See, the Holy, there's something in connection with the Holy Spirit and peace. So he's there to teach. He's there to remind us of the things that, and especially the disciples, of things Jesus said. But there's a peace that the Holy Spirit deposits. And so, and I love that he says, I give you things that the world cannot give. I give differently than the world. I give peace that the world does not have and cannot give. Like, all this is like, anyway, I could talk all day about that. But I love how the Holy Spirit is, I'll call him the quarterback of peace. He is the one that passes peace. He is the one that Jesus said, I'm going to leave with you to give you peace while I'm gone. And I, I feel that. I, I, that is why, if you cut me open, there is a peace in my soul because the Spirit of God is in me. And if he cut you open and you believe in Jesus, the, the, there's a peace deep inside of you because the Spirit of God is in you. See, it's, the world would try to tell us, if you want peace... You need to pursue it externally, all right, externally. So you need to get, you know, if you're counseling somebody, you need to get a better job, you need to get a wife, you need to get a family, you need to get, like there's all these things that we think we need, like, and we get hyper-focused on. If I get that, then I'll have peace. And really, we don't say it, but that's what we're after, a lot of us, and especially the world. Like we're, we're after peace. We're after peace, and we think these things are going to give it to us, so we hyper-focus on it. And then guess what? When we get it, we're like, what? Like, I need something else. Like, there's always something. There's always a carrot that we're chasing after. And it's because we want peace, and you can't get it externally. You can't get it. I mean, you talk to some of these people in the city that have everything. You find out real quick, they have nothing. They have nothing. They have no peace in their heart. I mean, I used to work with somebody. They would call me in their office and ask me just, this is a very well-off person. They would just ask me to hug them. They said, can you just come to my office and hug me? I say, all right, that's kind of weird, but like, yeah, 
let's do this. And <laughs> I just hug them. Why'd they want me to hug them? Why? That's weird. And we're in a professional setting because they had no peace. And they feel the peace of God on me and they want it for themselves and they don't know how to, how to articulate. They don't know that that's what they need. They just know, I need a hug right now. I need to feel connection. I need to feel some sort of groundedness in my life. So please hug me. You might hug some people in the street today. Do it. Wow. Hug them. Like, let them feel the peace of Christ coming from you and say, this is what I have for you. It's not that I'm a good person. It's not that I'm really nice. It's God in me, and he wants to be in you. Let him in. See, in Christ, we have internal peace. Jesus has won the victory over darkness, and he's won the victory in our heart. And so we have internal peace, and that's the place we go to get peace. But it's not, it's not like this, anyway, the world, positivity thinking, mindfulness, it's like there's a, there's a place for some of that stuff, but that is not the place. Looking inside to somebody that has, doesn't have Christ in them is not helpful. It's good to be self-aware, yes, but like the peace that I'm talking about is inside of a believer. It's not inside of a non-believer. This is a very clear distinction. And, and so I can go inside to, to grab out that peace because Jesus went inside of me. It's a very, very important distinction. Because when we tell people, yeah, just find peace inside. Just go, you know, go with your desires and, like, you know, go with your heart. Go with your gut. If they don't know Jesus, don't tell them that. Like, do not tell them that. Tell them you need Jesus and then go with what he says. And if, and if he lives in you, then great. Like, but you need to separate the two. Now, maybe you can relate to this type of peace like that I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced it, or maybe you've seen somebody experience it. I'll give a few examples. So have you ever seen somebody on their deathbed, Christian, and they are in this state? You're just like, dude, this person's about to die, but they are like glowing, right? That's the peace of Christ. That's it. It doesn't make... Yeah. It passes. It's beyond our understanding. It's like, what? You're, you're on your deathbed, but there's a confidence in where they're going and who their father is. How about a person going through a terrible loss? You have somebody going through pure tragedy, and, and they're just, you see, I mean, they're still distraught. It's still hard. There's, maybe they're scared, but deep in their soul, they know that God's good. God's got them. See, I don't think we should think that peace is just this perfect, tranquil moment. Now, it, it can be, but often we're still dealing with our own fleshly desires, the, the emotions, the struggles. But deep in our soul, there is that peace, and it's only in Christ. And so I, I've seen that. I, I actually have a friend right now who's battling cancer, and it's pretty intense. It's stage three, and um, he had to get surgery. He's got to go through chemo and the whole bit. Um, and I, I see the peace of Christ on him so It's ministering to my heart. And I know he's scared, and I know it's hard. So I'm not saying any of that. But I, there's a, there is a peace down in his soul. He's got four kids. I mean, this is, this is real stuff, you know, but I see it. And he's going to minister to more nurses than I could. Um, I just know it. And, I'm, and we're believing for healing, you know, and I know many of, we're believing for healing from cancer for many um, in this community and outside this community, and and we're going to pray through and through. I mean, that's the ultimate, you know, I love the peace that comes in, in testing, but 
you want to bring glory to Jesus, have, have him get radically healed. Like, then you got a double whammy. I've got peace, and now I'm healed, and look at me. Don't you want to follow my God? Like, that's what I want. I want it all. So, I'll just ask you this question. What challenges your peace? Really think about it. What, what circumstances challenge your peace? What rattles you? Why do you think that is? Are you willing to explore that tension? Because sometimes we got to get a little more granular, a little more practical. We can talk about the peace. It's so good. We've got it. But where are those points where you're not feeling it? Because if you're in Christ, it's still there. Trust me. So let's just be real and honest with that. Be honest with the Lord. Be honest with other people. Where do I get rattled? Because I'm telling you, there's the, the pressing and the trying, and, the, and I think it will increase. And so you want to you work through that stuff in this environment, in this family, in a safe place. And I think that's so important for, what, for just what's ahead. Um, so I want to read Colossians 3, uh, verse 23. And we're talking about peace. It's not an external thing that you can circumstantially produce. It's an internal reality given to you in Christ. It's his peace in you. Okay? Um, Colossians 3.23, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that word. It's actually not, I looked it up. It's not in the Bible anywhere else, <laughs> but right here, which I was like, I don't know what that means, but that's interesting. Let the peace of Christ rule. Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's 3.15, Colossians 3.15. You're like, what? Where is he getting this stuff? Is he reading from the Apocrypha? What is he? Um, Col- <laughs> Colossians 3.15. I'll read it one more time because you're like, I was confusing you. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So it's not saying let peace come into your heart. Welcome it in from the outside. It's saying let peace rule in your heart. The peace of Christ rule in your heart. I love that. Let it rule in your heart. Let it rule in your heart. Let it rule in your heart. You know, it, often in Paul's writings, he says, grace and peace unto you. And there's even, it's in Second Peter, I believe. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. It's like, really? So there's levels. There's multiplication. And perhaps that's related to this verse. I don't know. Perhaps it is. That it, you can have more peace because the peace of God is in you, in Christ, in the spirit of God. But if you let it rule, you can have way more. And how much more delightful and powerful and profound would your life be if you let peace, the peace of Jesus, rule and reign in your inner man? I mean, I'm just thinking about that, and it's kind of like, it's good. I want that. I want us to delight in that, in his peace, in us, to let it rule us. 
to let it overwhelm us. So I just wanted to put together um, just a few tips that I thought of for, for remaining in peace. And trust me, I will employ these this week. I promise you that. And my wife will report back and tell you how that goes. <laughs> how do you remain in peace? How do you let peace rule, the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart? Um, well, one verse that comes to my mind is Philippians 4. And this is a classic. We say this one all the time, and we should, because it's, it's just so important and so good. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So how do you remain in peace? Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I made all that one point. That's a good point. We'll just wrap them all together. How do you remain in peace? Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. See, we pray and we, and we, and we petition, and it moves stuff on the earth, but it does stuff in us. It, it actually prepares a place in our heart for peace to rule and reign because when we're speaking the things he's speaking, you can't help but feel at peace. I'm telling you, when I go into a prayer set, if it's a two-hour prayer set, when I leave that prayer set, there almost always, even if you're praying for hard things, is exponential peace increase in me. Why? For me, it's because I'm praying God's heart, or I'm trying to, and I'm seeing that he's got it. And so the peace just naturally falls on, a, on an intercessor, on somebody who's praying. It just naturally does because his plans become a lot more illuminated. And you think, man, why am I so worried? Why am I taking in the news and all this information? What am I doing? Like God has got this and he's good. And when you pray, it comes out. And when other people pray, you're like, whoa, that's what I heard. I'm not crazy. God is going to do it. And so... Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, it's so transformative, and it helps you remain in peace. All right, number two, remembering you are a son and daughter. That challenges the orphan spirit. That spirit of sonship, it wells up in you, and all of a sudden, you, you don't get so, what's the word, rocked. You're not, you're not tipsy-turvy with what's happening around you. Not, you're not letting those foreboding spirits, that foreboding thing where you think, oh, man, this is going to happen. This domino is going to go, and everything's going to crash down. Those thoughts can come so hard. I mean, I was fighting those off this week like crazy. I mean, I had my bug, like, you know, what is that thing you call it? You kill bugs with fly swatter out. Like, you know, oh, like, this is going good, but this is going to happen. It's like, no, like, smack. And I've got, I mean, that's the sword of the spirit. I'm like wielding it over these thoughts because that's real. That is real life. And foreboding thoughts, there are these thoughts that say everything's going to fall apart. And they're just so negative And they say, this is not going to be the way it is. God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. But when, when you know you're a son and daughter, you're like, I'm covered. I'm taken care of. And let me tell you the list of things God's done for me. And his blood covers me. So I don't care what that thought is. I'm, I'm crushing that thing with that fly swatter, and I don't know why I'm coming up with a, I never thought of this analogy, but I'm going to keep using it, because it kind of makes sense, and I don't like flies, um, so I'm going to go with that, so knowing your son and daughter, so 
critical because then fear can't be the leader. If you don't know your son and daughter, fear all of a sudden get that thought, that fearful thought comes in and you just kind of follow it. You know, you just get under that thing and you start going with it. And then the next thing you know, you're on, you know, you're, I don't know where you are. You know, we're good. And you're like, Jesus, get me back to like where I know I'm a son and daughter that I'm cared for, that I'm covered, I'm taken care of. Romans 8, 14 through 16. I want to read this real quick. And this came up in my, in my heart um, Friday night when we were worshiping too. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when you get in the spirit, like often you'll start to remember who you are, remember that you're son, daughter, that you're cared for, that you're, you're covered. And it, it stirs up in you. And when we sing songs like the one we sang today, it, he watches, if he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? If he covers every, how much more will he cover you? It's like when you sing that, those scriptures, which is Matthew 6, I believe, when you sing that, it reminds you that your son, it reminds you of who you are and the spirit in you cries, Abba, Father. It's, it, it just, there's no room for fear in that place. There's no room for anxiety in that place. And so peace rules and reigns when you know that you're a son and daughter. It rules and reigns. And so just focus on that versus trying to swat everything under the sun. You can swat it when you know you're a son and a daughter. You won't, you won't even let it in your stratosphere. Like, in fact, it might not even, it might not even come into your head anymore. <laughs> you ever had those? Like, those thoughts that just plague you all your life, but you just delight in God. You know you're a son and daughter, and you're like, oh, I haven't thought of that in like three years. You know, I haven't, I haven't thought of suicide in 15 years, praise God. It hasn't, just doesn't come in my, in my mind anymore. Now, some things do come back. Don't think, oh, I got problems because a thought came back. Just swat it. Just swat the thought. Just, just say, I'm a son and daughter. I'm covered. Jesus is my king. He's my prince of peace. Your thoughts are not your own. There's a lot of thoughts that we grab a hold of that are not ours, especially in this city. You get on a subway train, you start feeling, thinking weird things. Trust me, like, it's probably not you. It's probably, like, another car or your car or something else going on. Seriously, you got to shift that atmosphere because it'll mess you up. Um, but don't own it, all right? Don't own crazy thoughts. All right, worship team, could you guys come up? Because I'm going to just keep going here, and I don't know where I'm going. Um, so number one, <laughs> I'm, like, talking about swatters and, like, you know, subways, and it's, I'm having fun. Uh, so tips for remaining in peace. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. One, remember you are a son and daughter. Two. Last one, number three, humble yourself and cast your cares on him. Humble yourself and cast your cares on him. Humble yourself and cast your cares on him. That's 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The quick, if you can quickly humble yourself and cast your cares on God, you will leave no space for fear and chaos in your life quickly as fast as you can cast those cares and it takes a level of humility because sometimes we just want to fight it we just want to go and and do our thing and and fight whatever and be heroes but we got to cast our cares on him because he can handle it and we can't and when we do that it it frees us but the, the the time duration is really important it's really important that we do it daily, that we do it quickly, and that, we, and that we recognize that we can't fix ourselves, but he can. And that he cares, that he wants to hear our burdens, that he wants to hear our fears, that he wants to like, walk with us through whatever we're dealing with. We're not disqualified by based on what we're, we're experiencing. Um, Charles, uh, 
Charles Spurgeon had this quote. It was really interesting. He compared this, the importance of like casting your cares on the Lord. He compared it um, to allowing, um, or by not casting your cares, he compared it to allowing frost to settle. And he said, you want to take, when, when things become cold, frosty in your life, you want to take that to the sun. Like you want to let the Lord just shine on that thing and, and just, and give you the peace that you need. But if you don't, like if you don't take it to the sun and you just hold it and you, and you try to work it out on your own and you, these, care, these burdens and these things, you're just allowing them, it becomes frozen. Like it becomes hardened. Your heart becomes hardened. And it takes a lot longer to thaw. It, I mean... You ever had a 20-pound turkey for, uh, for Thanksgiving? That thing takes way too long to thaw. I'm not taking, like, three days to fall. I want to eat the turkey. I don't get, I think I'm all over the place today. It's kind of fun. But um, <laughs> I kind of like it. But I uh, thought of turkey. But, it, like, that is how our heart can get if we're not casting our cares on him, if we're not going to him. It just, it will take so much longer, unfortunately, to unravel those things. But he cares about he cares about the sparrows. He cares about, he cares about your frustrations today. He cares about whatever happened to you this morning that annoyed you that nobody even knows about, but it's frustrating you deep in your core. He wants to bring peace even to those little things, not just the big ones, the little ones too. Could everybody, could everybody stand for me, please? So my... My desire, my heart today, and what I feel like the Lord saying to me was that nobody leaves this room without casting cares, without having peace. And it's your choice, right? But my heart, and I feel like God's heart, is that let's not wait to ruminate on these truths. Let's engage now. Let's engage now. Let's let the peace of Christ rule and reign in us. Because he wants to, ca- he wants you to cast these cares on him. He wants you to walk in a measure of freedom and peace. That is not fairy tale freedom and not fairy tale peace. This is real. This is the peace that Christ walked in. It's how Christ thwarted every temptation, and it's how Christ foreran, you know, the ministry of reconciliation that we now have inherited. Man. So, Father, we thank you for just giving us security today, confidence, peace. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you, would you fill us up, Father, would, as we empty ourselves? God, I just see a picture of us emptying ourselves, right? Like, lay it down. Lay it down. Cast your cares. Lay it down so that he can fill you up. So, God, we just lay down the burdens, the things that we're carrying, the peace we're trying to produce. I I pray, Father, for those right now that are hyper-focused on something because they think it'll bring them peace. Lord, would you reveal to them right now that it won't? Would you reveal to them right now, give them a healthy view of that thing that they desire? Give them a healthy understanding and would you fill them with peace right now? And I just see throughout the room, I see people laying those things down. Like I see things that you've, you've gripped very tightly like almost like these staffs like that are helping to support you. And it's like, nope, I don't need it. That's, that's giving a foothold for chaos in my life. I'm going to go after the king of peace. I'm going to receive his peace. And I pray today, God, for those in this room and on Zoom 
or on YouTube rather, that do not know this peace that I'm talking about. And I would say to you right now, it is accessible to you through the blood of Jesus. Jesus died that all would be saved. If you give your heart to him, you will experience this peace. He will fill your heart. He will flood your life with the peace and the joy. His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I just want to encourage you. That, that peace is accessible to you. But I want to also say it. Christ asks all of you. He asks all of you. He says, come follow me. Come follow me. So God, I pray right now for those that that don't know you, Father, that they would come follow you. Experience this God of peace. They would give their life for you. That all their talents, all their gifts would give you glory. You'd redeem and restore the chaos and the fear that has plagued them. You'd show them your son, their sons and daughters in your kingdom. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.